Welcome to the Cornerstone Christian Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Jim Tarr. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cccbasalt.com. So what I want to do today is I want us to turn in the book of Revelation chapter 2 and reading in verse 18. And we're looking at the churches, the churches and the church of Revelation. And we find out that in the book of Revelation... There were some very real churches that were happening during the time that John the Apostle had received this vision. And I want to remind everybody, this is not the revelation of John. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ coming to John. Jesus is the voice that is speaking in the book of Revelation. John was merely the scribe who wrote it all down. As we're looking at these seven churches, they are real churches with the very real problems that they're all facing we find out that this church had a person that was in leadership, and it's referred to this one as Jezebel, who rose up in the spirit of the Jezebel of the Old Testament, caused a lot of challenges in the church. Now, I want to say this as well. These seven churches also, in the order in which they're identified, are also in order in which we can see the history of the church and seven periods inside the church. There are some who believe that this church actually represents from 606 A.D., to 1520, and this is actually the time within the church that idolatry did begin to come into the church, where there were actually images that were allowed that were invited in, and there were prayers no longer to the preeminence of Jesus Christ, but also including the idea of prayer to saints and to others that would answer your prayers. But the Bible says this, there's only one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. We don't pray to any man that lived or is, in, or is living. We don't confess our sins to anyone that's been in the past or present, only to the Lord Jesus Christ. Why would you go to anyone other than him who has created us to be as we have been born again by the Spirit of God, a nation of prophets and priests and kings? So what's happened in the church is actually something that we had to fight against since the very beginning, and that is the mindset that the people who sit inside the church play a secondary role and that the leaders play the primary role. When actually even the Apostle Paul told us this, that the leaders in the church, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and, 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 and um, teacher, exist to edify the church, to raise up the people, to be the body of Christ, and that here's a, here's a great news for all of you today. You have all called to be ministers in the house of the Lord. You've all been called to be ministers in the church. And God not only has saved you, but he has equipped you by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the outpouring of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there have been released inside the church the gifts the gifts that God has given to us, the gifts even that can function within the church, the prophetic gift, the gifts of words of wisdom and words of knowledge, and there is gifts of the workings of miracles, gifts of healings that God has released inside the church. So that's been a battle from the very beginning. So let's look at Revelation chapter 2, starting to read in verse 18, and it says this, And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, The Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and feet like burnished bronze says this, I know your deeds and your love and faith and service and perseverance and that your deeds of late are greater than at first. But I have this against you that you tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and she teaches and leads my bond servants astray so that they commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. 
I gave her time to repent, and she does not want to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her on a bed of sickness and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of her, their deeds, of her deeds. And I will kill her children with plague and all the churches will know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts and I will give to each one of you according to your deeds. But I say to you, the rest who are in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not known the deep things of Satan, as they call them, I place no other burden on you. Nevertheless, what you have, hold firmly until I come. The one who overcomes and the one who keeps my deeds until the end, I will give him authority over the nations. And he shall rule over them with a rod of iron as the vessels of the potter are shattered, as I also have received authority from my father. And I will give him the morning star. And the one who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's pray. Father, I pray you an anointing on your word today and give us ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. I pray, Father, for Cornerstone Christian Center, that as we hold ourselves up to the standards set in Revelation chapter 2, that we would be found faithful. So God, be with us today, I pray, as we look into your word. Minister to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. So here again, we get a glimpse of Jesus, which is very relevant to the revelation that's going to come. It's relevant to our church today. Who is this Jesus? Well, he, we're seeing him in his risen state. Not in the state in which he walked the earth, where we could actually see that men could lay hold of him, men could crucify him, men could bury him in a grave, but this is the risen Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, who ours, whose eyes are like burning coals of fire. What does that burning coals of fire mean? It doesn't merely mean that they're eyes of passion, because they are that, but it's actually eyes that can burn and see beyond hypocrisy and, be, and see beyond everything that is, is illegitimate and not real. It's the discerning eyes of the Lord. And it's these eyes that are penetrating and looking at the church of Thyatira. Now, let me help you to understand what this little city was like. These were working class people. There were a lot of working guilds there, unions of people that had come together and agreed. They were, they were hardworking, and the Bible actually says here that they were known for their deeds. They weren't just hardworking in their personal life. They were also hardworking inside the church. They saw themselves, all of them, as servants of the Lord, and they served the Lord through the church. They saw that the church church is there to serve. It's not just there to gain, but it's actually a place where we all can come together to give. And Jesus, in his penetrating look, was able to see, hey, your deeds are good. And he also said this, that their deeds had increased from when they first met the Lord, which means that they're on a really good trajectory here as far as what they're doing. But as their, as their deeds are increasing and, and their love is increasing, we find out something else is happening, that they were toler tolerating false teaching and false ideas, which came into, through the church into immorality was happening inside this church and also just flat out false teachings that were coming against the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Lord is commending them in a way that is the exact opposite of the church at Ephesus. If you remember them, they would not tolerate anything that was an error in teaching. But the Lord said, but your love has grown cold. And that's the thing that can happen about us becoming legalistic, if you would, about the word of God. We can become such defenders of the faith that we actually become unloving and intolerant and actually cruel. 
And so we have to be make sure that we don't have the kind of love or knowledge that does not result in love. But here's a church that was so full of love that they were not careful about the truth. So under the whole guise of being tolerant, and isn't that a really common word that we're hearing right now? Everyone needs to be tolerant. We need to have toleration. But toleration can actually create an environment where truth is no longer valued. The Bible says this, that you and I are to speak the truth in love. So love has to have truth, and truth has to have love in order to be effective. So that's interesting to see. But the Lord also says this in this revelation of Jesus, that he has feet of bronze. And when we think about feet feet of bronze, it means his feet cannot be moved. It means his feet are established. It means he's very well grounded. And this is the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, whose authority has been established in heaven and on earth. And if you remember, when Jesus Christ had gone through the process of death, burial, and resurrection, the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3 said, because he was being willing to be obedient even to the point of death on the cross, that God had given to him a name above every other name. That is, at his name, every knee would bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is firmly established in his authority. When we look at what was happening, during this period of the church, we found out a lot of other names came into the church. A lot of other established authorities came into the church so that this power structure inside the church from the post to the archbishops to the bishops to the priests, what did it, what did it do? It robbed Jesus. The people were robbed of Jesus, of who he is, the only name, the only established authority. And so that Listen, you can come to your pastor, you can come to your elders and ask them to anoint you with oil and pray because we can share our faith with you and we should be in the word. But you also need to know that you can access the name of Jesus and you have the same authority in the name of Jesus in prayer as the Pope has, as an archbishop has, as a bishop has, as a priest has, as a pastor has, as a teacher has, as an apostle has. You have that authority because Jesus has bronze feet. And he cannot be moved. And he will be unmovable for you as well. And so let's just keep Jesus the priority of everything that we do. But they were firmly established, this church in Thyatira, and their deeds is said in their love. It was a very loving church. But again, I just want to say this. Love had gotten to the point of toleration where they wouldn't address some issues that were actually harmful. As we're looking at what's happening in our nation right now, and I just want to say this, this was an amazing church. But amazing churches can only be destroyed in one way, and it's from the inside out. It's the same thing for a nation. A nation can only be destroyed one way, and it's from the inside out. If America's going to be destroyed, and Abraham Lincoln recognized this, that even back in the 1860s, America had established itself with such, with such strength of liberty and freedom, economic freedom, spiritual freedom, individual freedoms and liberties. He said the only way that America could ever be destroyed would be from the inside out. This church of Thyatira, which was full of love, a very loving church, and of uh, a church full of deeds and of service, and they were increasing in faith which would indicate to us they were increasing in in power. But how does a church like that get destroyed? It gets destroyed from the inside out. 
No weapon from outside the church has the power to destroy it. The only thing that can happen inside of a church is that it would be destroyed from within. And here's the amazing thing. It happened through toleration. And I think that as we look at a nation right now, even for our own nation, under the word tolerance, we have grown to tolerate everything, even if ultimately it would be destructive to the, to the, to the very heart of that nation. When I think about the fact, and I don't know if I'll even share this in the second service, but I just was made aware when we were down in Austin and seeing the heightened level of transgenderism that is being presented to the, to the younger generation. Listen, on the spectrum of the gender issue, we realize that there's a whole swing of the pendulum. And we want to be loving to anybody that's in such a crisis. But under the guise of toleration, then, to begin to promote it as a lifestyle that will produce the benefits and the blessings. The Bible says there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is death. Someone very closely related to our school, our church has been, has been placed in a responsibility to promote the transgender agenda in one of our local middle schools. And so this is going to be a real, I mean, she's, obviously she can't navigate that or, or under the guise of tolerance be able to promote that. But at the very same time, the idea that they've been told to present inside that middle school is that a child can identify their gender every day and change it every day. So one day they can be a man, and one day they can be a woman, and one day they can have one name, and the next day they have to be called by another name. They can change their pronouns every day. And if they go into a locker room or a restroom and someone in there who is that gender in that restroom makes them, if they feel uncomfortable around them, that child will be removed from the locker room, not the child who's trying to figure out this gender issue. Now, why am I bringing that up at this time? Because under the guise of toleration, can you imagine what is, so we're talking six years from now, when these young men or young women are gonna serve in our military? They're going to decide every other day what uniform they're going to wear, what name they're going to carry, what pronouns they have. It's not going to work in the real world. It's not going to work inside a home. How can we establish parents, fathers and mothers, wives and husbands, how can they be established in any way? And I hope that these people realize people are still going to be having children. But under the guise of toleration, what, dad could be dad this day and mom next day and then dad again and then mom. And then the child has to call them by a different pronoun every other day. It's not real world. It's diabolical. It's a threat of the enemy. It's a false prophetic opportunity, a lie being presented as a truth. And it's destructive in its nature. This church was loving, but because they were loving, they were tolerant. And you cannot tolerate a lie that will end up destroying the lives of people. And so we can see sort of how this has become a dilemma for them, and it's a dilemma for us today. Like even as a church, what are we willing to say is 
allowable in community and in values. The same way for our school. As I, as I mentioned to you, I, I, I received, I'm not going to mention who it was, I received an email yesterday from one of the leaders of a congregation in our valley who identifies um, her pronouns at the end of her emails. So we find out that this is the exact same thing that was coming against us through Eagle County and the um, health director, that this is a very deliberate agenda that's going to come to our schools and to our churches and to our synagogues, and it's going to be coming to our children and to our families. And so I'm not saying that to strike fear in everyone's heart, but we have to know you have to be willing to be labeled as intolerant if you are going to walk in truthful love and according to the values with what you understand. And here is this one that's identified as Jezebel. Now, I guarantee you her name was not actually Jezebel. But John identified this woman who was prophesying in the church according to the name of a woman who was actually in the Old Testament in 1 Kings chapter 16. And what she had done is she had risen to the level of authority inside the nation. Now, it's something kind of interesting here. She was from Tyre, and she was not Jewish, but she was married to Ahab, the king of Israel. We find out that she was not born into the covenant of the Jewish people, but she married in. And Ahab allowed her to come in. Ahab should have been a righteous man, a righteous king, and judged rightly over his nation. But he allowed his wife to turn his heart. Now, I want to say this. A Jezebel, or someone who has that Jezebel spirit, doesn't have to just be a woman. We find out two examples that it is. It could be, any, it could be a pastor that could allow this kind of immorality to come inside the church, to promote it, and actually to welcome um, false ideas and religions just have their way in, in the church. There are churches in our community that will allow every religion to come in and to speak. And I just want to say the same thing concerning gender, concerning religion, concerning ideas, we're losing the sense of any absolutes and any truth because there's not an awareness of God. Once you become aware of the person of God and the will of God and the plan of God, then you know that there is a right way and that there is truth that's on the earth. But Jezebel kind of blurred the lines, well, really blurred the lines concerning truth and brought into the nation of Israel the worship of Baal, And also she brought in great and gross immorality to the point where her husband became so corrupted, King Ahab, that the scripture says this concerning him, that there was no king that provoked God like King Ahab did. His wife corrupted his heart out of toleration. He allowed her to introduce these things into the nation of Israel, and it ended up being to her own demise and her own destruction 
And also the Lord then needed to raise up the prophet Elijah. And I'm so grateful for this. God will always have an Elijah if ever a Jezebel and an Ahab rise up. There will always be a remnant of people. Elijah felt like he was the only one standing against the tide of Queen Jezebel and King Ahab. And, and he began to bellyache to the Lord and say, God, why am I the last one? And the Lord said to him, no, Elijah, I have 7,000 that have not bowed the knee to Baal. And I want to guarantee you today that even when the spirit of Jezebel or a, a, a man that was meant to be righteous, whether he's leading a church or whether he's leading uh, a county or whether he's leading a nation, that there will be a remnant of righteous people. And the truth is this, is that God will back them up. Can you say amen to that? And so in all of this, they had to stand strong. But in this wonderful, healthy church, a cancer had come in. And the Lord says this concerning this woman because they tolerated her and her teaching. It says that she calls herself a prophetess. Now she took this label upon herself and this is why we have to live in a very discerning way. I believe very much in the gift of prophecy. I believe in the gift of prophecy that it's active in the church today. I believe that God uses the prophetic gift and God uses people within the church actually to bring those words that are for edification, for comfort, and actually even words that can come that can, the Lord can tell you even what, he's, what, what events are going to unfold in the future. But this woman identified herself and there was something in her nature, something in her personality. She carried some kind of charisma that even the church allowed her to have this voice, but it was not the voice that was speaking the things of the Spirit of God. So that's why it was so important for this church to be able to discern. If ever there was a day in my own personal lifetime where you had to discern what's going on right now, it's in this time and in this day right now. There's a lot of things that are happening that you might just be saying, I don't even know, completely know what's happening, but I know that something's wrong. That's a gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a spiritual gift of discernment. This church was not discerning enough to know that the voice of immorality and false ideas and religions and the prophetic voice that she was lifting up should not have been tolerated inside that church. And so the Lord says this to her, I gave her time to repent and she does not want to repent of her sexual immorality. Now here's the most amazing thing about this and I don't fully understand it. It happens to nations and it happens to churches. When I look at our country, I ask myself the question, why God? Why would you allow such a good thing to experience such disruption? Why would you allow corrupt influencers to set the narrative for a nation? Aren't you God? And aren't we following you? You can see in churches um, a false prophetic voice can be raised up. Even the worst kind of case of a Jim Jones who was actually the whole immorality mixed in with false ideas. He was a false prophet. And you ask yourself this question, why do these men exist? And I have only one answer to that. The Lord said this first off concerning this Jezebel woman. He says, I'm giving her a chance to repent. And the amazing thing about this is that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Before you and I get way out of line concerning our mindsets towards some in our nation 
and in the body of Christ that are really frustrating to us, we must remember the love and the heart of God towards them and the mercy of the Lord. Every time we take the Lord's Supper, we have to remind ourselves that Jesus took the bread and he dipped it in the wine and he offered it to Judas before he left the room. Jesus didn't deal with Judas even up to the very last moment, even to the point of his betrayal. That's amazing to me. But that's how loving Jesus is. Anybody in our nation, whether we like them or not, whether we agree with them or not, they continue to exist because God wants them to repent. We have to have that mindset as well. Even when we're speaking, let's remember the heart of the Lord for them. But as it was with Judas, the Lord offered him forgiveness. The Lord offered him before he finally betrayed him. One more chance, Judas, you can turn around in your intention and where you're going and all of this. But the end result for Judas is that he found himself alone, having abandoned God, and actually God had left him. And that we find out that he hung himself. And he, and he had the same, same effect happen to him that happened to this woman in the church of Thyatira. Here's one thing that you and I can get comfort in knowing this. Nobody's getting away with anything. There is a day, yes, men can go, go so far and we can just say, where are you, God? But there is coming a day when everyone, Jesus Christ is coming again and everyone will stand before him and give an account. You and I can just be, we can allow emotions to get so intense inside of our hearts where we're saying, God, why, can, why are you letting them do this? And there's one answer. He loves them. He wants them to repent. And if they don't repent, there will be a comeuppance. Vengeance is not mine. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. And so Judas got his day. Think about the book of Acts. We say, well, how can this happen inside the church? There is a couple named Ananias and Sapphira. Isn't it interesting again? You got the Jezebel and the, and the man walking in the corruption. A, a, a bad combination, a husband and wife team that were both disobedient to the Lord. Here we find out that the man lied and um, what happened? He lied about what he sold his property for. He didn't have to lie, but he wanted to impress the church. So he told them he told it, sold it for a certain amount and acted as though he donated the entire sale of, the, uh, of this property to the church. But when he lied, he was confronted by the apostle Peter. And he says, don't you know you've lied against the Holy Spirit? If anybody ever comes against you and it's unjust, they don't come against you. They come against the Lord. Now, that should cause two responses from us, shouldn't it? It should cause us to have compassion for them and to pray for them. That's why Jesus said, pray for those who persecute you, because they're deceived by the enemy. They've believed a lie. They're going to stand before the Lord and give an account for what they've done. It's our job to understand that when, when, when they come against us, we have to have and maintain the right perspective. If we get down in the mud too much with them, we will end up carrying the same corruption. Ananias and Sapphira, Ananias lied, said, I sold the property for this amount and gave it to the church. Peter says, do you know that when you're lying to the body of Christ, 
you're lying to the Holy Spirit? Boom, drop dead. Sapphira comes in later. They ask her, the wife, did you sell the property for a certain amount? Yes. The young men who carry the body of your husband out are going to carry you out as well. Boom. She died. The mercy of the Lord. See, doesn't that get, see, to the issue of tolerance? The Lord, even inside the New Testament church, could tolerate all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But there is a line at which God says, I will not allow that person to destroy the innocent. I'll not let them hinder my work. And so like even in all of that, no matter what came against us even as a church and as a school, we have to understand that if we're walking in the righteousness of God, people are rising up against the Lord. And when a culture and a church doesn't fear the Lord, they don't fear the people of God. Um, I don't know. Those are just my thoughts. But in all of this, we find out that the Lord in his mercy wanted her to repent of her sexual immorality. Let me just say this. The Lord tolerated her, and eventually she was going to be dealt with. But isn't it interesting that in the meantime, the church was meant to deal with her? So, Lord, why do you allow this wicked woman to be in the church who's influencing the leadership? And the Lord's saying, no, wait a minute. It's my job to extend mercy towards that individual. It's your job to deal with them where they're wrong. It's the same way even for our role inside of our nation or our role inside of our school. We have to be praying for those who oppose what we believe. And yet at the very same time, we have to understand it's our job to confront. Do you understand? Do you get that? Eventually, the Lord will deal with that person personally and individually. But it is our job to confront those who would come against the Lord's purpose and plan. Do you see the dynamic tension between truth and love? It, if it's love at the expense of truth or if it's truth at the expense of love, it's going to fail. So God help our church to have that balance of truth and love and to continue to speak to any wickedness. It says, the Lord says this about this Jezebel woman, Behold, I will throw her on a bed of sickness, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation on this, unless they repent of her deeds. Now, here's the amazing thing, is that not all of them had entered into her teaching and into her sin. Not all of them had. This was an amazing church, as far as we can tell. But the Lord just says this, is that there has to come a repentance. She has to repent. And that also the Lord is telling them that they need to repent of allowing her deeds. Now, I think that's kind of amazing, looking at our nation and looking at our church. It is our responsibility, and we need to own, and we need to repent when our leadership gets out of line. 
we need to repent of their deeds. If they don't repent, we still need to repent. Because the truth of, them, of all of this is we allowed them. That, and it always comes down. They allowed her. So the Lord appealed to the righteous in the church and says, you need to repent of her deeds. We find out that Daniel actually did that when he was in an, a godless nation. He repented for the sins of his nation. It's the same way. I think that what happened in our nation is that the church was meant to be watchmen on the wall. We should have been the salt of the earth. We should have been the light of the world. We should have spoken up when there was immorality that was promoted. When we were redefining marriage and when we were now and what's going on with what's being taught to our children, we have to realize that the Lord says the church needs to repent of their deeds. Oh, no, it's their need to repent. No, they're not going to repent, most likely. And so the Lord just, it brings us into this place of needing to own what's going on around us. And we have to do that. Now, here's what, I, I wish I had more time to share all of this, but I want to take us to some scriptures because the, the Lord says this, um, Nevertheless, what you have, hold firmly until I come. The one who overcomes and the one who keeps my deeds until the end, I will give him authority over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron as the vessels of the potter are shattered, as I also have received authority from my Father. And I will give him the morning star, and the one who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So the Lord promises something here. He says, okay, church, if you'll deal with what's wrong inside your church, I will give you, now remember, Thyatira, the least influential city, working class people of all these seven churches. They were the most regular blue collar individuals. And the Lord says to them, my desire is to give you nations. I, I, I believe that the Lord's desire is to give the churches, and I'm saying not financially or physically, but what the Lord is saying, I want you to set the tone of your city. I want you to set the tone of your county. I want you to set the tone of your state. I want you to set the tone of your nation. And not just your nations, the Lord's saying, I will give you nations. And, you know, this is what Jesus told the disciples when he had the feet of bronze after he rose from the dead. And he said to the disciples, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go you, therefore, and teach all nations. You go take the nations. Church, you influence the nations. You carry the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You don't allow your nation, your county, your city, your church to be lost on your watch. In my mercy, I will allow them to exist, but it is your job in the meantime. Until judgment comes, it is your job to say we cannot tolerate evil. 
And as we're looking at this church, the Lord says to them, and I wish I had more time to flesh this out. The Lord said, if you will overcome, I'll give you nations, which was promised to Jesus. In Psalms chapter 2, a thousand years before the coming of Jesus, the Lord said to him, ask of me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. And we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. It is the inheritance of the church. The nations are the inheritance of the church because we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. What he has bought for us, all that he is, is ours. But then the Lord says this, if you will overcome, if you will be willing to be set apart, if you will stand up for what you believe in, if you will be the perfect combination of love, faith, and truth, the Lord says to them, I will give you the morning star. The morning star. What does that mean? When I was sick with COVID, I was laying on the couch in the living room, and I would often be awake during the night, and then you would see Venus before the sun came up. And I just said, and you know, if you're sitting there long enough in relationship to the trees and the mountain, you can watch it moving across the sky slowly. And I was so impressed with the morning star, a gift that God had given to us that he knew would be a reference to his Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 22 refers to Jesus as the morning star. Now, what's amazing about all of this is, is that the morning star is the promise that the darkness of night is almost over and the sun is about to rise. It's the hope that is inside the heart of every believer that no matter how dark it gets, Jesus is coming. And a bright new day is about to be here. Jesus told his disciples to work while it's daylight. He says, because the night is coming when no man can work. Jesus was describing the time from when he rose, from when he was crucified and he ascended into heaven until the time when he will come again as nighttime. We live in the night of the earth. We live in a world that's very dark. But the Lord is telling the church of Thyatira, there are some people though in which the glory of the morning star will rise upon them where they will inherit they will inherit in the here and now the fullness of the promise of the blessing of when Jesus comes in the fullness of all his glory. You can see it in Isaiah chapter 60 in verse, the first three verses. It says this, Arise, shine, for your light has come, for the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness of people, but I will rise upon you. I will shine upon you. Here's what we need to understand, that if a church will lay hold of the combination of standing for the truth and for the faith, continuing to serve the Lord as they're called to serve, if they will continue to walk in love, but they won't tolerate where, where truth is being violated, the Lord says, I will send the glory of the kingdom of God to rest upon you even in this day. And that you and I can have the promise. See, when he said, I'll give you the morning star, Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you myself. He is the morning star. I will visit your church. I will come and I will make myself known to you. This is what's so amazing. Now, I am of the, uh, one of the people that's of the persuasion 
that this is also a reference to the fact that there is coming a great rapture of the church where Jesus is going to come for his own. There are two second comings, or uh, there's one second coming, but we realize that as we look at the scriptures, there's one where he comes in the cloud and the whole earth sees him and recognizes his coming, but there's another coming in this end times revisitation of Jesus that'll come like a thief in the night, like a clap of thunder, and the dead in Christ are going to rise first. It's not going to be the resurrection of all. It'll be the dead in Christ that will rise first. And what there is in the second coming of Christ and understanding, there were some who before the great and glorious rising of the Son of the Lord Jesus Christ revealed to every human being in all the nations of the earth that great and glorious appearance of the Messiah where it says that even Jews will look upon him as the one that they pierced and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child. There is this um, sky view of Christ coming in the clouds, but we also understand there are some that are in the second coming going to experience the thunderclap of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the morning star promise that the dead in Christ will rise first and that we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with the Lord and that we will forever live with the Lord. I'm telling you, we can live in the expectation even today that we could see the morning star star of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, that brilliant star that's just the reflection of the great sun rising. The, the church today lives in the constant hope of the morning star. Jesus could come today before this service is even over. Unexpectedly, in the middle of a world that's full of immorality and idolatry, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ could happen, and we could see the morning star rising so that even as I was laying on the couch, knowing that when Venus came into the line of sight of that window that was by the couch, and I could watch it heading, and then as it would get towards the horizon, you could see the light beginning to rise up in the east. It's this beautiful thing. There's uh, uh, so many scriptures I could read about it, and we're out of time. Um, but there's another, there's scriptures like Psalm 130 um, that tells us that the watchmen are looking for the morning. Yes, more than the watchmen, look for the morning. The church looks for the Lord Jesus Christ. The apostle Peter wrote this scripture in 2 Peter 1.19. We have the prophetic word made more sure to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. The Lord is telling us this is how we're supposed to exist. That we carry the light of purity, moral purity. We carry the light of spiritual purity and truth purity, defenders of the word of God. And we are like those who carry the lamp in the middle of the darkness, in the anticipation, Peter said, of the coming of the morning star where Christ will break through the clouds. We're going to hear a trumpet and the shout of an archangel. The dead will rise first, the dead in Christ, and then we who are alive will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and we'll be forever with him. And then in the book of Revelation, we're going to see that when Jesus comes and reveals himself to the whole earth, we will be a part of the army of the Lord that is following him up as he rises like the sun in the east. Can you say amen? 
God, we just bless you and we thank you. Let's all stand up. It's already 12 till. I got to get you out of here before the next ones get here. But God is so good, isn't he? Father, we just love you. Jesus, we just say, come quickly. You said when the spirit and bride say, come, you will come. As the bride of Christ, we ask you to come, Lord Jesus. I thank you for every person that's here today, Father, and I pray, Lord, help each one of us in our own lives, Lord, to not tolerate the immorality that's all around us and also the lack of truth and purity of truth. So, Father, I pray for our church, for our homes, and for our nation. Lord, let church, let the church arise, let our families arise, let individuals arise, let our nations rise up according to the heritage that you have given to us. And we bless you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, just very quickly, if there's anyone here you've never met Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you want to be ready for the coming of the Lord, and you don't the inheritance of the nations, you can invite Jesus to come into your heart today, have your sins washed away, and be forgiven. If you want to be included in a closing prayer, would you lift up your hand just saying, today I want to know that I know that I've given my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Just give you an opportunity to respond to that today. So I just bless you today in the name of Jesus. Be the salt of the earth, the light of the world. The Lord be with you in his name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. This weekly podcast can be heard on our cccbasalt.com website, the CCC Basalt app, or your favorite podcast platform. If you'd like to support our efforts financially, you have the opportunity to give at cccbasalt.com forward slash give.